in the hobby. It's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking that we could pull, I don't know, Hall of Famer. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com. The only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. There is nothing more fun than opening an Arena Club slab pack. I mean, it is so much better than any mystery pack that I've ever purchased because there is a focus on transparency. There is a display of available cards. There are hit rates you can get. When you're graded, you're given a rationale. It is the marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, and displaying. Arena Club Slab Packs are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your pulls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling. You can have them officially graded by Arena Club. The Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent, with a full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. Whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform you have to check out. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash badmoney. Wow, that's a crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack, that's $40 right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash badmoney for 10% off your first purchase. I love to track progress. As you guys know from listening to this show, I'm constantly tracking my progress. What have we done so far in 2024? And spring is in full bloom. Are your finances blooming too? With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, it's easy to start building credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments with no annual fees or interest. And if your credit scores grow, so could your opportunities for lower rates on loans like for a car or a home. You can use it everywhere Visa credit cards are accepted. That's right, you can build your credit using your own money. Get paid up to two days early with direct deposit. With a qualifying direct deposit, you can get access to your money sooner. Fee-free overdraft with SpotMe. Overdraft up to $200 without fees with SpotMe when you set up a qualified direct deposit. Just set up a qualifying direct deposit, sign up for SpotMe, and Chime will spot you up to your limit when you make a credit card purchase or cash withdrawal that exceeds your balance. Access 60,000 plus fee-free ATMs. That's more than the top three national banks combined. Easily find one near you with the Chime app. Send and receive money. Use Chime to pay anyone, Chime members or not, and cash out your money fee-free. With Chime's secure credit card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started at Chime.com slash bad money. That's Chime.com slash bad money. Chime. Feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com slash disclosures for details. You got problems that you ought to be concerned with. Moolah! You don't know how you're supposed to earn it or what to do with it or how to keep it. You're a freak with a dark, shameful secret. But you're not the only one. Get your hidden financial fears with a blast of sun. Now your healing has begun. It's bad with money with Gabby Dunn. Oh, hi there. I'm Gabby Dunn, and this is Bad With Money. Happy New Year, deadbeats. May 2020 be less horrifically awful than 2019. 
No, you know what? I'm not going into the new year with this shitty attitude, okay? I've said this many times on many podcasts. Negativity attracts negativity. And that's not what I want to be about this year. Uh, or any year. Plus, I'm talking solely politically, which has cast a huge pall over everything. But 2019 career-wise for me, pretty good. Scary and full of unexpected changes, but ultimately good, I think. Dating, too, was strange as hell, but ultimately good. There were huge ups and huge downs, you know, in all aspects of life. But politically, I would say it was mostly downs. For me and for a lot of you listening, 2020 is a very, very important, arguably the most important election year of our lives. I'm not exaggerating when I say that everything I care about and everything I am, Jew, LGBTQ, woman, all of it, is at stake. So who knows what's going to happen next? I think this year we've got to grab and cherish every bit of joy and levity that we possibly can. You got to laugh. You got to love. You got to fuck. You got to do everything that they tell you to do in the original L word uh, (laughs) theme song. Go out or stay in, or just appreciate being able to be optimistic and alive. Right now, you and I are still very much able to do things like celebrate the new year. Shout out to folks listening who are hungover, but you still made it a priority to listen to this podcast, so turn the volume down, drink some Pedialyte. You're going to be okay. But anyway, New Year's Eve is kind of like an opportunity to remind yourself of the things you want, right? That's why we make New Year's resolutions, we make lists. As it turns out, for people in a lot of places around the world, in America and also outside of America, what they really want is to make more money. And everywhere, there are these wildly different traditions centered around money and how to make more money and how to get good fortune, bringing good fortune slash more cash into your life in the new year. So I want to see what that looks like in two very different places. First up, the Philippines. Hello. Uh, hello, Katrina. Hi, Gabby. Hi. What time is it where you are? Uh, quarter to six in the morning. Wh- why? Oh, my God. I'm in the Philippines now, so happy to do this. Oh, my God. You're a saint. Um, yeah, so uh, for my, our listeners, can you, can you tell um, my audience who you are and what you do? Okay, well, I'm Katrina Escalana. I'm a freelance content creator. Mainly I write for a travel website and I'm a photographer. So I found you because there was this article, Nine Superstitions Many many Filipinos Still Believe. And we were talking about money traditions and superstitions for luck on New Year's Eve. So, um, So let's start at the beginning. For people who may not know, can you describe where the Philippines are located? Okay, so the Philippines is an archipelago in Asia. So that's a bunch of little islands, but 7,000, over 7,000. So a lot of different cultures from the different regions. And how would you describe the Philippines to someone maybe who's never been there? Uh, it's very tropical. So when people think of Asia, they mainly, they mainly think of like Korea, China, Japan. But the Philippines has been colonized a lot by the Spanish, the Americans, the Japanese for a bit. So we have a lot of... Uh, things from their culture. So it's really like a melting pot of cultures. That's the best way to describe it, I think. What is like the dominant culture in the Philippines? Um, Funnily enough, we were under the Spanish for the longest, mm-hmm. about 300 years. But then um, I think we're much more westernized now. That's to say where we have a lot of 
I think we have a lot of influence from American media and all that. So we speak Filipino. That's the national language, but so is English. So we study in English. Like, are you, are you, do you live in the same area where you grew up or? Yes, right now I do. I moved back to this island called Palawan, beautiful island in the Philippines. But I did live in Spain for three years. Okay. I moved back six months ago. How would you describe like where you are right now? Huh. One of the most beautiful places in the world. (laughs) And I'm not being biased. It really is. If you do Google Palawan, you might say the same thing. Wow. That's so funny where a lot of people we talk to are like, how would you describe the country where you are right now? And they're like, it's the best one. Like everybody (laughs) says that. I'm sure they all think, yeah, I'm sure we all think the country's the best. Yeah, but if someone was like, Gabby, how would you describe where you are currently in Los Angeles in America? I'd be like, it's bad. (laughs) Oh, a lot of my American friends say the same thing. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, I'm like, it's not good. Do not come here. Uh, so, okay. So, so my producer pointed out actually that speaking of that, it's early in the morning, uh, the Philippines is the first, some of the first people to celebrate the new year are in the Philippines. So at midnight there, it's still like eight in the morning on new year's Eve in America. Um, so do you go to bed and wake up and then watch the rest of the world celebrate? Is that super weird? Uh, no, I don't think so. We're, we're all like fast asleep, hungover. Maybe. So we missed the whole second round of celebrations, I guess. <laughs> what are the, the New Year's Eve traditions uh, that you do every year? Oh, um, for our family, a lot of food. Uh, my grandparents make sure everything in the house is full, like gas tanks, uh, water coolers, the, con- the rice containers. Just like to gar- It's a superstition that guarantees kind of prosperity year round. Mm. Some people keep money in their pockets. Um, oh, you have to pay off all your debts too because it's believed that uh, like your financial status when the year starts is how it's going to be for the rest of the year. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> so a bunch of things, a bunch of little superstitions here and there. So what um, what about keeping money in your pockets? What's that about? Uh, it's it's kind of to bring in the fortune. So uh I think this is this stems from Chinese superstitions as well because we have a big Chinese community here. Mm-hmm. So we do things like opening all doors, doors and windows, or turning on all the lights before the clock strikes twelve. Oh, because it brings in for it supposedly brings in fortune. Yeah, money, prosperity, all those things. Just letting everything in, yeah. So the same for money in the pockets. It's supposed to bring more money in. Are a lot of the traditions? Um... Uh, related to money in the new year? Like, is a lot of it, like, when it says, like, you know, oh, do this to have good fortune, do they mean specifically mostly money or is it, like, just general? Well, it's mostly fortune, prosperity, but it's money. It's a better way to say money, I guess. Why do you think the fixation is on getting money in the new year? I don't know. I guess because people think the new year is, like, a new start, another chance to get it right. And for people, like um, a better year is usually a more prosperous year. That's so, I mean, I've heard that from other places too. It's just interesting. Like how do people in the Philippines view money? Is it like, you know, do you, because someone was talking about America, someone from the UK in our first episode saying that the American dream is to get rich. Whereas like in other countries, it might be just to like be able to provide for your family or uh, be able to have like a modest home or whatever. Like, is there like a thing in the Philippines of, of a of certain view of wealth? Like, is it better to be super rich or is it like, hey, don't show that kind of stuff off? Or what's like the 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 idea uh, of successful? 
I think now that you mentioned family, it's very important for Filipinos to provide for their families. And for a Filipino, it's a big thing just because we value extended families a lot more, I guess, in Western cultures. Like your third cousin is still, you see them off and they're still considered family no matter how far they are. So mm-hmm. um, we also rely, our economy heavily relies on um, OFW, something called OFWs, uh, overseas Filipino workers. So these are Filipinos who work abroad for years or even like up to decades to be able to send home money, to send money home um, for their families. Oh. Yes. And that's not just your kids or, you know, your husband or your wife. Sometimes it's to help your nephew or your niece finish college. So there's that aspect of, um, I think, finances in the Philippines, being able to provide for a large family. Oh, that's so interesting. So that's there's like a name for that type of of person. That's how prevalent it is. Yes, exactly. Wow. So I just want to go through some of the the superstitions in the Philippines because <laughs> are the Filipino people very superstitious? We are, which is very strange, just because we're um, predominantly Catholic. After the Spanish came, um, we became Catholic, but because we come from like a more animist background we still retain a lot of the beliefs uh, from that time of the Philippines. So a lot of superstitions we believe in, uh, how do we say, not ghosts, things like that. Like, for example, just last night, I went to the wake of a friend's grandma, and my mom really told me, don't forget to the term is pagpag, which means to pass by somewhere else after the wake, just so the ghost doesn't follow you home. So oh, my God. It, little things that you know you don't think would come up anymore but the the older generation still <laughs> reminds us yeah the the ghost is gonna follow you home i mean i guess i don't know we have a thing where like you're supposed to hold your breath when you pass by a um a cemetery because the ghost might get inside you tamika do okay, you know maybe, about this maybe similar i've never Whoops. heard of this <laughs> one. <laughs> i just said it but my producer also american was like has never heard of this <laughs> <laughs> She's inhaled a lot of spirits. You've inhaled a lot of ghosts, Tamika. <laughs> um, that's so, yeah. I mean, I, I think maybe a lot of cultures are just, a lot of the older cultures are suspicious in that way. Are there other suspicions like that? Um, a lot. Um, well, back to like New Year's superstitions, just wearing um, polka, like polka dotted clothes is considered lucky. Really? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Again, for fortune, I guess, because the, the round shape, I don't know, mimics like coins. That's my best guess. Jumping at midnight is supposedly supposed to be supposed to make you taller. Jumping at midnight will make you taller? Kids do that. Yeah, we're not a tall people. So we, we take every chance we can get. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, OK, so some of these these are not necessarily to do with money or or to do with New Year's, but just from the article was like, the number of steps of staircases at home should not be divisible by three. Yes. So I'm guessing this is from the Spanish then, because it's in Spanish. It's like a chant, oro, plata, mata. Oro is gold. Plata is silver, if I'm not mistaken. And mata means like death. Yeah. So if you chant that, like I said, you're going up the stair, uh, it shouldn't end in mata. So every step, you chant one of the words, oro, plata, mata, and if it ends in mata, then it's bad luck. So when you're building a home... Oh, my gosh. 
you have to be conscious of those things. <laughs> and so, but you wanted to end on gold and silver because because may, maybe that is a, a like a good fortune getting some kind of money. Um, turning your plate over when someone leaves in the middle of a meal. Oh, okay. So this one we don't really follow in our family, but so but I brought it up recently with a friend, and he told me they still do it. So for example, if um they know they have to leave, let's say a family's eating together and one brother has to leave already mm-hmm. mid mid meal, they will like he'll get up and they all have to like turn their plates. Turn like clockwise, for example. Oh, to not, not turn it over, but turn it yeah, clockwise. Turn it clockwise to guarantee like a safe journey. Oh. But my friend was saying like they'd go as far as not starting to eat yet, waiting for the person to leave and then eating after that. Oh, wow. Okay, yes. Okay, so one you said, don't go straight home after attending a wake. Obviously, mm-hmm. that's that's very real and everyone should do that. That one I believe in. Um, <laughs> reassure your host that you're human. Oh, okay. This is not a lot of Filipinos know this because we say taopo, we knock and then say taopo, which is growing up. I thought it just was asking like, is there a tao inside? Tao is person. Is, like a, is there a person inside? Is there a person home? Mm-hmm. But then after researching about that, it really meant like, I'm tao. I'm a person. Like open the door. You can open the door for me. Because you might yeah. be a ghost. You might be a ghost. Exactly. Honestly, I hope all my superstitions are ghost-based. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the ones that I believe in the most, I think I'm learning, are just mainly to keep ghosts out. Yeah. <laughs> Important. Siblings should not marry within the same year. That's that's bad luck, but it also probably uh, has some monetary reasoning behind it, too. <laughs> it's also just messed up to do to your sibling. Yeah. <laughs> Don't steal a spotlight. No, but yeah, that's quite followed still um do serve noodles oh for long life oh this is like people really do this for birthdays i love that and then respect the elementals what's that what does that have to do with what does that mean oh, okay so i think this comes from our like animist background so we we like we believe that things reside in nature that we don't see for example so if you're walking through, let's say, a forest, because it's a tropical country, you still go in the countryside, there are like, you know, forests and things like that. If you're walking through there or let's say you bathe in a, like going to a river, walking to a river, you like pay respect kind of and say tabi tabi po, which is to say that you're going through. If any spirits are there, just let you pass peacefully. Oh. Or let's say you're hiking and one of your friends, one of your guy friends goes off to the side to pee, he'll usually say tabi tabi before, you know. To be like, I'm so sorry about this nature. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, You know, that's honestly would probably do, it would do well for, for Western people or whatever to have some of that reverence for the environment with regards to climate change, let's say. Okay, so be careful when showing fondness over babies. Okay, yeah, this is believed in the countryside. So uh, let's say your cousin just gave birth and you find the baby really cute. You can't uh, like be so enthusiastic when like expressing fondness over the child because it gives off like it's a very strong energy and it could be too strong for the child that's true when people are too intense about babies it's like calm down you've seen one you've kind of seen them all (laughs) yeah distance some distance please oh my god and then blame your missing things on elves which i think we all do 
but oh my grandmother still does that it's really funny because she genuinely believes it elves take our socks that's just science <laughs> is that a thing believed there too in the states in the states there's a thing of like if your sock goes missing in the washing machine or the dryer you're like oh the, the elves got it <laughs> Yeah, well, similar here, but here I think it's more seriously believed by the older ladies. The elders still believe it. And I said, the article ends with, aside for the, the, the elves that take small children, they're mostly harmless. Oh, yeah, yeah. They, they believe a lot of those things, really, like because they live in nature. They believe in elementals, a lot of these mm-hmm. creatures. I mean, that's the that's the thing about like, I think having reverence for the area in which you're living, being agricultural, mm-hmm. living in that area, and then also having so much, um, like, as you said, influence from other empires that I think creates these these like really adorable and also funny and also poignant, like the same yeah. excuse me to nature uh, traditions and, and superstitions. Especially because, like, the people who do live in the countryside, they they realize just how much dependent they are on, like, nature. They live so closely to it. And so they they have to respect it. Yeah, I saw the uh, my my producer just sent me some photos via text of where you live. um, And it's stunning. Uh, (laughs) And, like, it's not an area where everybody is wealthy, right? Yeah. The Philippines has a big problem with poverty, yeah. Like the Filipinos, like the Filipinos are very hardworking, but we're also very like happy-go-lucky. So if you, I don't know if you've seen any photos of like the slums, for example, of the Philippines or Manila, a lot of them are happy, like oddly enough, they're very happy photos. Not to say that they're happy being poor or whatever, but my, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a different view, I think, of um, like wealth or living life. In general, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't say they don't value money, but when poverty is something that you're so used to, you learn to live with it, kind of. So that's why when people, when Filipinos get the chance to leave the country, that's when, like OFWs, like I mentioned earlier, that's one of the few times they see that they can act, they actually have access or opportunity to get money. Is there ever with the, 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 the people that are working abroad, is there ever kind of a culture shock of working abroad and realizing that other people live differently in this way that is probably less uh, thoughtful or uh, optimistic, you know? Um, I think Filipinos in general are very adaptable. We're very adaptable. But yeah, definitely there is just because Filipinos are very warm. And um, I guess if they move to a bigger city than than than. Um, how fast-paced it is, is a culture shock. And we're very family-oriented. So no matter how hard like life is in the Philippines for some people, you'll hear Filipinos abroad say it, like, you know, it's, it's really different in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. So even if they choose to stay abroad, because it, it's definitely a more comfortable life, it's, it, they, they get a living wage, it's still different to come back home to the Philippines. That's what I hear a lot of Filipinos abroad say. Thank you so much, Katrina. I really appreciate it. This comes out on uh, New Year's Day, so I guess, but it will have already been hours and hours for you. So (laughs) happy New Year. uh, And then also happy the second day of the year, which is, I guess, what it'll be for you. (laughs) Thank you. I was so happy to do this. Happy New Year. Of course. Happy New Year. We're going to pause here. We need to take a super quick break. So be right back. 
And we're back. I've said it before this season. It's really neat how you can learn about a tradition that involves money and then it can tell a layered story about a culture, its people, their values. Yeah, I'm a nerd. I'm a fucking nerd, okay? So we're going to keep digging into these traditions and superstitions around New Year's Eve. Now, Romania. Hello, this is Julie. Hey, Julie, this is Gabby Dunn from Bad With Money. Hello, Gabby. How are you? Good. How are you? Fine. Thank you. Can you tell us who you are and what you do? Yes. My name is Julie Paulesk, and I am a senior lecturer of Romanian studies in the School of International Letters and Cultures at Arizona State University. And where are you from originally? I am from Timisoara, a city in the western part of Romania. So how would you describe Romania to, to people who've never been there? Or how do you describe it? Well, uh, I would rather take them there, but <laughs> since I don't have a choice at the moment, I think paradise would be an accurate description. Um, Romania is a s- small country, um, let's say about the size of Oregon, mm-hmm. situated in, now it depends on who you're asking. Some people will tell you Eastern Europe, others will tell you Southeast Europe, and others will tell you Central Europe. And... Uh, you will find that Romania is a country of contradictions and intersections and paradoxes. Why? Why do people just differentiate on where it is? Well, there are several reasons, political, um, sociopolitical. Um, generally, we say in Eastern Europe, but there are finer, finer notes and variables that have to do with the Soviet Union, that has have to do with the Middle East, that have to do generally with politics. Culturally, however, we identify with, believe it or not, Western Europe, oh. because Romania is the furthest Eastern former colony of the Roman Empire. So we are the only people who speak a Romance language in Eastern Europe. We are surrounded by mostly Slavic nations, Ukraine to the north, uh, Moldova, well, not quite Slavic. They speak also Romanian and Russian to the northeast. Bulgaria to the south, uh, Serbia to the southwest, and a non-Slavic country, Hungary to the west. But we are the only people who speak a Romance language. We are, strangely enough, um, a country that has been for centuries uh, situated at the crossroads of different political and cultural influences between three former major empires, the Austro-Hungarian Empire, Russian Empire, and the Ottoman Empire. So as as you can imagine, uh, you find quite a variety of practices and beliefs and ideas and cuisines and um, all sorts of very interesting things to explore in Romania, not to mention the astonishing geography. Romania is a very, very rich country in natural resources. We have everything from rolling hills and wheat cornfields. The Carpathian Mountains are covered in dense forests. We have a Danube Delta. Uh, It's absolutely amazing. 
like what's the predominant culture there? What what are the top, you know, the the cuz you said it's influenced by a lot of different cultures and and countries and empires. What's what are most people religiously or culturally? Uh, approximately 90% of Romanians are orthodox. Mm-hmm. That would be eastern orthodox. We have quite a few minorities because Transylvania, the central part of Romania used to belong to the Austro-Hungarian Empire for over 200 years. So, uh, we are at the intersection of Islam uh, and Christianity. As a matter of fact, uh, Catholicism ends in Transylvania. Orthodoxy is all around Transylvania, and it goes into Russia, Ukraine, uh, Greece, Bulgaria, and then Islam starts across the Bosphorus Channel in Turkey. You said paradise to start. Why? Why paradise? Because it's very peaceful. Because it used to be an agrarian society. It used to be. Um, and, and it is a very beautiful place. What was the word that you used? Agrarian society? Agrarian, yes. What does that mean? It means a, a society based on agriculture. Oh. Prior to Romania becoming a communist country, after World War II, um, people in Romania mostly practiced agriculture. When communists took power, uh, they wanted to transfer the country into an industrial power. And they started building from scratch heavy industry and chemical plants and hydro plants and all that. But it remains, Romania remains an agricultural society where traditions and practices are still very much embedded into people's daily lives. So if you walk, if you, if you drive, let's say, an hour away from Bucharest, Romania's capital, you step from the 21st century into possibly the 18th century. Oh, wow. Where you see people still doing what they have been doing for centuries, working on their farms, uh, making haystacks by hand with big pitchforks, not not your traditional machine-made square or round big piles of hay you find in the United States, but you see people out in the field putting their hay on top of each other, bunches of hay with pitchforks. How did you grow up? What part of Romania or what what sort of culture? I grew up in the western part of, of Romania. My father was from Moldova, not the Republic of Moldova, but a region in Romania, the uh, eastern part of Romania. And um, after he graduated from medical school, he was appointed to a military base. He was a military doctor. He was appointed to a military base in the western part of Romania, where he met my mother. Um, my mother grew up in Transylvania. My grandparents spoke both Hungarian and the German because they were raised during the Austro-Hungarian Empire. I grew up uh, uh, surrounded by Hungarian, German, and Serbian neighbors. It was always a multi-ethnic, multicultural community. And we did have a sense of community. For instance, for instance, for Easter, you know, sometimes Easter falls, Orthodox Easter and Catholic Easter don't fall on the same Sunday. So if it happened that Easter fell on different Sundays, we would celebrate with both neighbors, the Catholics and the Orthodox. Oh, that's that's very sweet. Okay, we have to take a quick break. I might have some ads to do. If there are no ads, please enjoy the music. And we're back. For this episode, we're talking about New Year's Eve rituals. Um, and we were wondering, what are some traditions that, that you do every year? Well, uh, 
we have a lot of superstitions to be, superstitions to begin with, and they are not only uh, practiced during New Year's. They are practiced all throughout the year, but mostly around New Year's. So uh, before Christmas, children carol from house to house, wishing people good health and prosperity. And at the end of their performance, they are gifted with all sorts of nuts to fruit to sweet cakes, and more most recently with money. So it was a great source of income for us growing up, going from door to door singing our little carols because that was kind of more than our allowance. <laughs> so the children get dollars and euros now and they're very excited. Um, so that happens at Christmas. New Year's is even more important because it kind of uh, tells you what to stay away from uh, and it, it helps you prepare for the New Year. So you, you prevent loss of wealth. So um, on January 1st, for instance, we, where, when we celebrate St. Basil, we believe that the skies are opening up and prayers are answered are heard and answered, and animals speak in human voices. So these are some ancient rituals um, and in, in ancient, ancient beliefs. And that is the time when you receive well-wishers at the door. And these well-wishers are bringing sometimes uh, little contraptions. One of them is a little plow. See, again, reference to the agrarian society, an agricultural society. And uh, also, there is another um, sort of like a stick um, decorated with very colorful flowers called sorkova. Um, these uh, children, these well-wishers, carry in their pockets wheat grains or rice grains, sometimes even corn, and they spread these uh, grains in the house so that this way, the spirits will be compelled to provide wealth for the following year. But you put flour and corn around the house? Not flour, they're grain, they're wheat grains. A wheat grain. Corn grains. Yes, you just throw them. Like, you know how in certain cultures you throw grains at the newlyweds to wish them prosperity. Yeah. Oh, and so you put it in the house and then and then um, it's like the spirits are going to give you money we have a thing in Judaism where we put we put crumbs places and then but then there's like part of the ritual is cleaning up the crumbs, which I always found suspicious. Seems like they're tricking us into cleaning. <laughs> that, that, could, that could be it. Speaking of cleaning, there is a superstition um, in Romania um, that if you clean on the last day of the of the year or the first day of New Year. And that cleaning includes taking out the trash. You are throwing away your wealth and you're throwing away your good luck. So there's no cleaning. Come to our house. Come to our house because there's no cleaning required on those days. But why? Why? Because you're not supposed to do anything on those days? You're not supposed to be cleaning. Keeping the trash in until... January 2nd. This this episode is coming out on January 1st. If you've already taken out your trash, you're screwed. If you have not taken out your trash, do not touch your trash. Nope, nope, no. Nope. Leave it there. Leave it there because it will bring you it will bring you wealth. Also, if you're thinking about what to wear on New Year's, 
uh, wear whatever you can afford to wear, but um, make sure that you you put some some wheat grains in your pocket. Um, and also you can you can also put money in your pocket uh, because this way you will not go hungry the next year and you will not go poor the next year. So that's going to be your accessory to your New Year's party gown with grains and money. Yes, a very common accessory that everyone has and uses. Right. Also, make sure that you're not tempted by poultry. Actually, you will not be served poultry on New Year's party. You will be served fish because poultry is also an animal that brings bad luck. Oh. It's because when they look for their food, uh, chicken usually uh, scratch the ground and scatter it, and that will scatter your, your wealth and prosperity away. So no poultry. You're supposed to wear something red. It could be a scarf. It could be a dre- your dress. It could be a shirt, whatever it is, but that will bring you, it's just like the Chinese, you know, like Chinese mm-hmm. New Year is also luck and prosperity. And uh, make sure that before you cross over into the, the next year, you don't owe any money. You have to pay your debts off. Oh, that's not going to happen in my case, but um, neither is it going to happen in mine. Oh no! There's no way. So <laughs> you you have to pay off your debt uh, because otherwise you will um, you will remain in debt all year long. Okay. What if I dress entirely in red and fill my pockets with grain? Will that can- cancel out the debt situation? <laughs> No, but I would think it would help if you would have purchased a lottery ticket. Probably your chances would have grown a little bit higher. Oh, um, <laughs> okay, I like that. Yes, I'm. I'm going to go back to to to, to uh, New Year's traditions. You want me to to give you a little riddle? Uh, a riddle? Uh, yeah. What is it? It's not a riddle. It's actually it's a it's a little poem that the well wishers, the children, will tell you when they come to your door. Okay, and. Be- because you are a farmer, they will want you to have cows full of milk, mm-hmm. sheep full of wool, mm-hmm. gre- greasy pigs, mm-hmm. healthy kids. Mm-hmm. May you have as much money as nails on your roof, and may you live many years. Aww. And now, now please pay us generously. <laughs> Thank you. I hope that you have a lot of money in the coming year, farmer, especially to pay me personally. Yes, I wish the same thing for myself. Right? <laughs> well, why are there so many superstitions? Um like do you believe do you believe in them is it or is it just kind of that's part of the culture? Why why is it such a superstitious culture? It is part of the culture and it's sort of like a mixture of paganism and Christianity. A, a mixture of beliefs that come from traditional practices. Let's say, uh, since we're talking about money, let me tell you about a superstition that has to do with death, because money follows us from the moment we arrive on this earth, it seems like, in Romanian culture. Um, we believe that uh, when a person passes away, uh, first of all, we do not call it death we call it something else oh uh, we euphemisms and one of the euphemisms is ada ortupoki which means to pay the coins to the priest oh so you pay the priest for this 
you know, service. But what you actually do in most regions of Romania, you put money into the coffin. And in certain regions, you actually put money on a deceased's eyelids. I've seen this. Why? Because the deceased will need to pay the toll when he or she crosses on the other side. Oh. You need to make, make sure that the appropriate door will open for you. You need to pay your toll to go to heaven. And your loved ones ensure that that's happening by sticking money into your coffin. So, wow, there's so many superstitions about money specifically, not just on New Year's, but like in total in Romanian culture. General. And we have so many definitions of money and we depict the role of money in different ways. There are positive and negative features of money. So here's a definition. Which means money is a small wheel that makes the whole world turn. So I guess this is sort of like the Romanian version of cabaret. You know, money makes the world go mm-hmm. round. We also say Money was created round, so it, it rolls easily. And it also opens doors. It's a universal facilitator of access. Yeah. Money is the key that opens any door. Does the rolling one mean that money could, could come and go at any time? It could, yes, yes. Oh. Yes, and um, money is also the thing that makes a person. And it even brings love to a dunderhead. Like a stupid person? Yes. <laughs> also, we seem to believe that money can buy anything. Um, we, there's a Romanian saying, So with money, you can even find bird milk. A thing that doesn't exist. Exactly. Wow. But wait, money also performs miracles. Bani in via morti, which means money revived the dead. How? It ev- it's everywhere. Because <laughs> some cultures would be like, you know, oh, we need to get rid of money. We need to askew this type of whatever. But how come it's so integral in so many of Romanian Romania's uh, like rituals? Maybe because we experienced such a shortage during communism. Yeah. Maybe, maybe because survival was quite a, a task. I grew up during communism for over 25 years. Uh, we pinched every penny. Right. It was very difficult. We had rations. We had to be cautious. We had to be careful. Um, and money is a representation of one's social status and social position. So... It brings dignity, it brings visibility, it brings everything that one may possibly want. It provides social networks, it secures allegiances, it does all that. But um, there is also a very serious warning as far as money is concerned. There are a couple of sayings that deal with that. And the most famous one is that which means that money is the eye of the devil, through which, yes, evil controls human behaviors and leads to greed and envy and manipulation. And it ultimately dehumanizes. Dehumanizes. Thank you. Yeah. 
So why, why, let's say for, for New Year's specifically, why are there so many, are, are Romanian people very superstitious about the New Year in particular? I think we're more wishful. Wishful. Yeah, when you live under stressful economic situations, when we are under pressure, and both under communism and now Romanians are under economic pressure, you always have wishful thinking. You know, you want next year to be better. You don't want to jinx it. Yeah. Have you picked up on any Christmas or New Year's Eve American rituals? Or do ours seem sort of uh, not not aimed at making money so much as trying to find someone to kiss at midnight? Uh, We have the wrong priorities here in America. Oh, well, (laughs) Uh, just because I didn't mention those priorities. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. (laughs) Uh, You know, I was actually very touched last year. Um, we had carolers, but they didn't ring the doorbell. Uh, they just made a lot of noise. <laughs> and when I opened the door, about four or five trucks full of young people, must have been like 30, 40 kids, uh, teenagers mostly, on the bed of the trucks. And there were the trucks were driving very, very slowly into the neighborhood, and they were all caroling. So they don't knock on the door. They're just like, we will sing whether you want this or not. Right, right. We just stood in front of the house and thanked them very graciously. And not even, I wasn't prepared. (laughs) But on the other hand, yeah, on the other hand, Romanians in the diaspora, um, I'm I'm sure everywhere in the United States, uh, celebrate Christmas just like they did at home, except that now they run buses and go from house to house. They don't walk. (laughs) No, in Arizona, you can't. But um, yeah, I've been to a couple of, of very, very festive Christmas parties with 200 carolers at once with two buses, three buses. I don't know how many of them came. Do you do like the Romanian rituals still here for New Year's Eve? Yes, not for New Year's Eve. We carol for Christmas. Aw, but for New Year's, you're like, look, this is my nice American house. We don't need to put wheat grain everywhere. <laughs> No, I'm kind of hopeless. No, <laughs> we don't really. Maybe maybe we should. Thank you so, so much. I, uh, I really, really appreciate this. It was just very, it was just very lovely because I think we don't take an, enough time to think about the, the rituals in our own country and then the rituals in, in other countries and how it must feel to, to be here doing those, how nostalgic and and both warm and also sad it must it must feel. So I, I really appreciate it. I'm sure this will be relatable to not just Romanians listening, but like anybody who I think is merging their traditions at this time of the year. It's been lovely talking to you. Honestly, I really liked this episode once again because I am a nerd. I don't mean that like patting myself on the back for my interview skills, although you should definitely leave me a nice review wherever you're listening to this. I mean... I'm a nerd because I actively enjoyed making this episode. It was fun learning about this stuff, right? It's fun to stop being so U.S.-focused, immerse myself in talking to someone else about their country, their family, the traditions they love. In a way, this episode is, is kind of celebrating our ability to celebrate, regardless of what's happening in the world. Like, even if the world is ending because of climate change and uh, the way people refuse to vote in their own best interests, no, 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 no. Okay, we're not going to be negative. We're barely into 2020, so we got to stay positive, like the Hold Steady said. This is just the beginning. 
Thank you for listening. Tell all your friends about us and share this episode with them. Happy New Year, folks. If you like the show, please rate and review us and make sure you're subscribed on Stitcher or wherever you find your podcasts. This show is produced by Tamika Weatherspoon. Our audio engineers are Brendan Burns and Justin Asher. Our audio is edited by Andy Christens and our supervising producer is Josephine Martirana. Our executive producer is Chris Bannon. Original music for this show is composed by Zach Sherwin, Mike Kaplan, and Jack Dolgen, and our theme song is performed by Sam Barbera. Bad With Money is a production of Stitcher. I'm Gabby Dunn, and I'll see you next week. Happy New Year, guys.